Chapter Two of My Confession by Leo Tolstoy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two. At some future time, I may relate the story of my life and dwell in detail on the pathetic and instructive incidents of my youth. Many others must have passed through the same as I did. I honestly desired to make myself a good and virtuous man but i was young i had passions and i stood alone altogether alone in my search after virtue every time i tried to express the longings of my heart for a truly virtuous life i was met with contempt and derisive laughter but directly i gave way to the lowest of my passions i was praised and encouraged i found ambition love of power love of gain lechery pride anger vengeance held in high esteem i gave way to these passions and becoming like unto my elders i felt that the place which i filled in the world satisfied those around me my kind-hearted aunt a really good woman used to say to me that there was one thing above all others which she wished for me an intrigue with a married woman another of her wishes for my happiness was that i should become an adjutant and if possible to the emperor the greatest happiness of all for me she thought would be that i should find a wealthy bride who would bring me as her dowry an enormous number of slaves i cannot now recall those years without a painful feeling of horror and loathing i put men to death in war i fought duels to slay others i lost at cards wasted my substance wrung from the sweat of peasants punished the latter cruelly rioted with loose women and deceived men lying robbery adultery of all kinds drunkenness violence and murder all committed by me not one crime omitted and yet i was not the less considered by my equals a comparatively moral man such was my life during ten years during that time i began to write out of vanity love of gain and pride i followed as a writer the same path which i had chosen as a man in order to obtain the fame and the money for which i wrote i was obliged to hide what was good and bow down before what was evil how often while writing have i cudgelled my brains to conceal under the mask of indifference or pleasantry those yearnings for something better which formed the real problem of my life i succeeded in my object and was praised at twenty-six years of age on the close of the war i came to st petersburg and made the acquaintance of the authors of the day i met with a hearty reception and much flattery before i had time to look around the prejudices and views of life common to the writers of the class with which i associated became my own and completely put an end to all my former struggles after a better life these views under the influence of the dissipation into which i plunged issued in a theory of life which justified it the view of life taken by these my fellow writers was that life is a development and the principal part in that development is played by ourselves the thinkers while among the thinkers the chief influence is again due to ourselves the poets our vocation is to teach mankind in order to avoid answering the very natural question what do i know and what can i teach the theory in question is made to contain the formula that such is not required to be known but that the thinker and the poet teach unconsciously 
i was myself considered a marvellous litterateur and poet and i therefore very naturally adopted this theory meanwhile thinker and poet though i was i wrote and taught i knew not what for doing this i received large sums of money i kept a splendid table had an excellent lodging associated with loose women and received my friends handsomely moreover i had fame it would seem then that what i taught must have been good the faith in poetry and the development of life was a true faith and i was one of its high priests a post of great importance and of profit i long remained in this belief and never once doubted its truth in the second however and especially in the third year of this way of life i began to doubt the infallibility of the doctrine and to examine it more closely the first doubtful fact which attracted my attention was that the apostles of this belief did not agree among themselves some proclaimed that they alone were good and useful teachers and all others worthless while those opposed to them said the same of themselves they disputed quarrelled abused deceived and cheated one another moreover there were many among us who quite indifferent to right or wrong only cared for their own private interests all this forced on me doubts as to the truth of our belief again when i doubted this faith in the influence of literary men i began to examine more closely into the character and conduct of its chief professors and i convinced myself that these writers were men who led immoral lives most of them worthless and insignificant individuals and far beneath the moral level of those with whom i had associated during my former dissipated and military career these men however had none the less an amount of self-confidence only to be expected in those who are conscious of being saints or in those for whom holiness is an empty name i grew disgusted with mankind and with myself and i understood that this belief which i had accepted was a delusion the strangest thing in all this was that though i soon saw the falseness of this belief and renounced it i did not renounce the position i had gained by it i still called myself a thinker a poet and a teacher i was simple enough to imagine that i the poet and thinker was able to teach other men without knowing myself what it was that i attempted to teach i had only gained a new vice by my companionship with these men it had developed pride in me to a morbid extreme and my self-confidence in teaching what i did not know amounted almost to insanity when i now think over that time and remember my own state of mind and that of these men a state of mind common enough among thousands still it seems to me pitiful terrible and ridiculous it excites the feelings which overcome us as we pass through a madhouse we were all then convinced that it behooved us to speak to write and to print as fast as we could as much as we could and that on this depended the welfare of the human race hundreds of us wrote printed and taught and all the while confuted and abused each other quite unconscious that we ourselves knew nothing that to the simplest of all problems in life what is right and what is wrong we had no answer we all went on talking together without one to listen at times abetting and praising one another on condition that we were abetted and praised in turn and again turning upon each other in wrath in short we reproduced the scenes in a madhouse hundreds of exhausted labourers worked day and night 
putting up the type and printing millions of pages to be spread by the post all over russia and still we continued to teach unable to teach enough angrily complaining the while that we were not listened to a strange state of things indeed but now it is clear enough the real motive that inspired all our reasoning was the desire for money and praise to obtain which we knew of no other means than writing books and newspapers in order however while thus uselessly employed to hold fast to the conviction that we were really of importance to society it was necessary to justify our occupation to ourselves by another theory and the following was the one we adopted whatever is is right everything that is is due to development and the latter again to civilization the measure of civilization is the figure to which the publication of books and newspapers reaches we are paid and honoured for the books and newspapers which we write and we are therefore the most useful and best of all citizens this reasoning might have been conclusive had we all been agreed but as for every opinion expressed by one of us there instantly appeared from another one diametrically opposite we had to hesitate before accepting it but this we passed over we received money and were praised by those who agreed with us consequently we were in the right it is now clear to me that between ourselves and the inhabitants of a madhouse there was no difference at the time i only vaguely suspected this and like all madmen thought all were mad except myself end of chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine